Welcome to Creative Twist. I'm Sally Vanderpump and I'm going to be talking to people who've rediscovered their creativity after a break or taken a twist in their career paths and tried something new. Coming back to creativity made my life better. Let's find out how it changed my guests' lives too. Kerry Lyons is a creative coach and a born-again illustrator. She's on a mission to help high-achieving creatives who've lost their mojo to stop compromising on what they want out of fear and instead recover and live their true creative call. Join me and Kerry as we talk through what it means to somehow take a slightly paralleled path to the one that you really want and what it is that makes us compromise on our creativity and how we can get back to the core of what we really want and go for it. Also, we talk about why it's so important, even in times of stress and struggle in the wider world, to keep following our joy and sharing our creativity with the world. Hi, Kerry. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to have you on Creative Twist. I'm a little bit giddy, to be honest, because um, I've been following you for a while on social media, so it's really nice to have the the chance to chat to you oh no thank you so much for having me Sally it's um an absolute treat to be uh-huh. here and I, I kind of it feels to me when I do um guests on people's podcasts it's like I'm kind of going around for tea yeah it's such a nice way to look at it actually yeah so um Kerry you describe yourself as a creative coach and a born again illustrator which I absolutely love I think that sort of sums up what I wanted to capture with creative twist, that idea of coming back to something that you love. So do you, should we start with illustration? Do you want to tell me a bit about your yeah. passion for drawing and when that started? Yeah, well, I kind of, for my mother's, um, now I think she gets it is in like, uh, let me just rewind. I basically used to draw on my mom's walls as a toddler, completely un- controllably is probably the best way to say it and as much as that kind of wrecked my mum's head as a kid I think now she gets <laughs> there's like oh it was all for a reason okay it wasn't because you were just trying to stress me out um but yeah, <laughs> basically as soon as I realized I could use things like crayons and color comes out of them I was like I need to put it on something so that like just drawing as a, a discipline sounds a bit like mechanical but just drawing as a art form as a self-expression form it's just always been within me and I've kind of described myself as like always that kid that had like um like ink or like um lead or like charcoal like always down the side of my palm because I, yeah. <laughs> I never wasn't like coloring in something and um I was always that person in like senior school where you would have your pencil tins that you get and there would be like a line of people either I would be decorating with a compass like painting their pencil cases with tipex and drawing on them or scratching off their paint of their pencil tins with like doodles and things so I was always like yeah it was just wow so so you almost had like creative commissions from (laughs) (laughs) from secondary school yeah totally but then I guess um in that kind of chapter there was what felt like a nothing moment at the time but on reflection it was quite a big moment was this kind of careers day um or careers week or something where a bit more attention was given to okay your next stage is you're going to be an adult in you know x amount of years time what are you going to do with your life and so they bring these careers people in that are 
arguably not that well trained or they definitely went back in the 90s yeah. of how to like work out you know what your next steps could be and I think at that time it's kind of positioned as this is what you're gonna do with the rest of your life rather than mm. this is your next step you know and I think if it's often painted as and I'm definitely advocating for this with my own daughter it's like let's just think about the next step rather than let's just commit and wed ourselves our whole lives to like this has to be the thing um and yeah I had this careers advisor who was like okay so you like drawing you like art graphic design is the kind of thing that people do if they want to get paid like if if artists want to get paid so I was like oh okay yeah I'll do that looked into it and I was like, oh it looks like it's a bit of drawing that sounds like a bit of me and then was like hell bent on let's get the right GCSEs the right A-levels the right degree to like do that step by step and I did that and kind of with like meticulous what I felt was like perfection it's like everything was working out beautifully and then I hit this like mid or say mid-20s but it's like quarter life crisis moment where I had the design job and I had the house had a car had a relationship and it was like this isn't making me happy at all and Mm. it just reached this point where I'd and I, I really am conscious not to like diss any professions because I think anyone in any profession will naturally develop some cynicism towards whatever field they're in right because it's just mm. part of you know just being absorbed in an industry for any amount of time um, but that I think it, it came to light that it was just a very commercial a very commercial discipline that was very much focused on things that actually weren't that important to me so mm. it was all about I mean, I think I remember in my mid twenties, I even had, I was doing work for like brochure design and things for companies that pump sewage. (laughs) And it was just like this kind of like, how did I get here? Like, this is nothing like what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, So yeah, there's all kind of like avenues and I guess I won't delve into it like too deeply because we'll need to like set up a lunch stand and spend the whole day here <laughs> but essentially I, with me but yeah. <laughs> yeah I kind of reached the point when I was like okay this isn't working for me and I basically kind of burnt down everything I left a 12-year relationship sold my house quit my job and moved to well not moved I went to the west coast of America on this trip to just like I just need to get as far away from my life as possible I need to figure out like what is going on why I'm not happy with where I'm at and I just happened to meet my husband, my now husband, on that trip. So I had about three weeks of being single. <laughs> then I was like, okay, now I'm married. But, oh, wow. Yeah. That kind of... So that was quite a dramatic way to make a change. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I often say, like, the clients that I've worked with over the years in a coaching capacity, like, I don't prescribe that you need to torch everything necessarily yeah. as a strategy. But at that point, it just felt like every single part of my life felt misaligned and I it was almost like you know people have like food allergies and they need to like literally just cut everything out and they just slowly start introducing bits in Mm. it was like that but with my life I needed to kind of like just wipe everything clean almost and yeah reinvent myself and I think that's actually something that as much as I used to kind of look at Madonna and go oh my god that looks exhausting there's someone that's like (laughs) she's the reinvention queen right and I actually have found now I'm in my 40s it's like oh reinvention is actually it's a really healthy positive thing for a creative person and that's kind of where I've 
I guess, like settled into myself and what I enjoy by realizing it's almost like maybe part of my creative process to do this kind of reinvention thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a very long winded way of saying I really love illustration. <laughs> yeah, no, that I'm interested that you say that because I've just, um, I just had a conversation on another podcast about that and I'm very similar in that sense of you know this isn't quite working I'm going to tweak it or change it and changing direction and I think there is a lot to be said for that not being afraid to say this isn't forever this is this stage yeah yeah but we're very much taught or expected these days to go down a particular path or a niche aren't we so yeah. do you think people get trapped in oh that? god yeah and I mean societal conditioning has everything to answer for in all areas of life but I think with the topic or the context of the kind of creative path and the creative soul the creative person that and I'm, I say that but I think everyone is creative there are mm. some people yeah, who agree to it and those who don't so much but for those who really feel that call and that pull and that value of creativity like they can't breathe unless they're creating almost I think to not to try and squish yourself in a pigeonhole is it's exactly that it's just a conditioning it's not the way it needs to be or has to be it's actually just a way of choosing and living that we think we should mm. be following and I think the more you can kind of stretch the perimeters of that like saying it might just be like a little tweak like say it might be something that's just something to bring into the mix as like a, a side hobby. Like it doesn't have to be like, a, I need to overhaul my whole mm -hmm. everything like I did and just talk to the whole thing. But to, I guess, convince yourself that you're not deserving of that or it's you're not capable of that is what really, really pains me because mm. that's all, it's all just a learnt behavior and a learned belief system it's not factual you know yes yeah yeah and where do you think that comes from that whole belief I mean I, I really want to go into that whole sort of belief and the narratives that we create for ourselves where does because yeah. that's how you work with clients isn't it yes definitely yeah so I mean ultimately there's so much that we absorb from the ages of naught to seven so that's like our imprint period of essentially building the belief system that we then take into the rest of our lives. And if you are like, say I had stayed on that graphic design path and I was absolutely fine doing print work in my mid twenties for sewage companies. <laughs> and like, it was all tickety burr when I wasn't wanting to kind of progress and stretch myself, I would never be confronted with my belief system because I would be living in the model that I had believed to be true for myself in that mm. input period so it's only really in the areas of entrepreneurialism or creativity and the creative industries where you're kind of or not just those two but if you're trying to advance yourself in some way where you're moving out of I guess a known paradigm that you're used to that we then I guess can begin to learn that our beliefs and our behaviors are not aligned with that next stage so it's essentially when you're in that naught to seven imprint period, your kind of parents or your caregivers, your 
teachers, your neighbours, your friends, your siblings, like every single person that you are surrounded by is either creating or confirming a belief system in some way. So, you know, just an example, you've got to work hard. You've got to, you know, you've got to work hard to make money as well as you've got to work hard. You've got to do like, you know, obviously we are sending kids to school unless people are kind of homeschooling, but we're typically sending kids to school on a regimented routine. Mm. So it's like, you're kind of going to school, well, this is going to get used to the work routine. Like you can't just like lay about and like you have all these things that are just said to us that we are like, if it's either said by one person and then reaffirmed by someone else, it kind of carries, it carries weight and mm. validity and then it kind of solidifies. So that not to seven ages when we're like really absorbent of those things. And then beyond that, there are obviously, I mean, we could go a bit woo. In fact, woo. Go woo, go woo. I like woo. Woo's, a bit, um, <laughs> woo's probably a bit of a derogatory way of saying, I, I don't mean to be derogatory to saying it's woo or minimise what it is, but there can be things as well, like generationally that we are bringing with us as well. So we don't even have to have lived them ourselves. They don't even mm. need to be in our conscious memory but they are oh, I see. impacting oh, right. how we are choosing to live day to day. So, for example, you know, if, I mean, especially for women um, and especially for women of colour, like their generational, you know, trauma and things that they have in their lineage experience, their ancestors of experience are going to be passed through mm. into how they see their value in the world, how they see their worthiness and place in the world so to overcome that and override that and create a different story and a different reality which we see is possible all the time because we see so many people that are breaking through these like glass ceilings of things which is amazing the the vast majority aren't you know Mm. so it's it's not to say that it's not possible but it's not it's not like easy either yeah when we I mean when we think of how I think it's only like in the seventies, was it, that women were allowed to get a bank account without a man or something like that? Mm. It's just or or own land and things like that, especially in the states. And it's kind of it's really we kind of look at it and go, oh my god, that's crazy. Mm. But like internally and unconsciously, like that's saying that we are not deserving of the same things as men, you know, because it's like, oh, that's how our ancestors have lived. So. All these yeah. things, excuse me, kind of trickle and infiltrate in our unconscious mind that then affects our day-to-day choices, behaviours and beliefs. So mm. we can easily say, you know, with the likes of me, I actually really wanted to be an illustrator from the get-go, but because someone and my belief system affirmed it, that's not really what you do to get paid. You need to kind of compromise and do something else. Yes. It, it wasn't, I wasn't questioning. I was like, oh, well, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, I just, I'm a do what I'm told kind of person. Yeah. And that's the standard kind of narrative really with yeah. um, with creative things, isn't it? Oh, well, how are you going to make a living from that, mm. from that form of creativity? Yeah. So then the focus becomes the how are you making a living rather than the yeah totally creativity. So you work quite a lot with people who've done a similar parallel, kind of almost taken a parallel career, don't you? Yeah. Do you yeah. want to sort of say how that plays out in your 
in your clients? Yeah, so I mean, we have, we've, I've had so many like gorgeous transformations of people that have been so locked in, I say a paradigm because it feels like it's like a, it's its own universe and its own, to then see this like peak of light come through that a different reality is possible for them. And I think that's something that I've actually always had seeing in other people. I haven't necessarily reflected it back on myself, but I've always had that ability to look at someone and see like the magic and the potential that they're not yet seeing. And then like basically kind of like clear the furniture, clear the mind furniture out of the way for them to be able to make their way through and be able to see it for themselves. So that's always what I've done, which is why the coaching and the creative part for me feels so like, like aligned. Okay. Yeah. But it's yeah. So essentially like, there's um like a client at the moment that I'm working with. He's got a really incredible career in like the movie industry and he's worked on something like mega, mega productions, but like he's, his ache inside is that he wants to make his own movies. He wants to write his own screenplays and mm-hmm. have, and not like do it all on his own, but that would be fine if he would. But it's like he he wants to kind of use that collaborative energy that he's used to, but use it in a way that's like bringing one of his ideas to life or mm. more of his ideas to life. And so we've been basically been working on like deconstructing his like belief system of what he's believed is possible for him. So obviously he's been able to like stretch his reality to the point where he's been able to work on some incredible productions that you know, a lot of people dream about, mm-hmm. but still it's like, I'm only worthy of being this kind of person on this kind of production when I'm like at this level and I'm doing this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy of being, you know, on the, on the writer, director, EP kind of level. Oh, that's interesting. So he's got a kind of ceiling of where he's yeah. allowed to be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a ceiling that was stretchable within that belief system, but until we worked with kind of expanding that ceiling out into something that's more limitless and has infinite potential it's really hard to create into that space so the work we do is very much focused firstly on working on the beliefs of I guess what they've created so far Mm -hmm. and then it's about rewiring which sounds a bit like painful but it's not but it's basically with neuroplasticity, our brains can basically be rewired in a different, like a different connective tissue, if you will, that's going to help us to connect to a different way of thinking and a different way of believing and a different way of creating. So that belief work comes first. And then from there, we step into the creation process of like, okay, so now let's get into the idea. Let's get into what is this first film going to be? And we can start to then flesh that out. So the the rewiring work is that like foundational part. And then it's also an ongoing spring cleaning is probably a nice Mm. analogy to think of it as. So if we've got this like mind furniture, the big part is like moving the big parts of furniture out of the way. So there is a pathway through and then like different obstacles are going to come up. Like, you know, work might get really busy or, you know, family commitments might suddenly stack up and it suddenly feels Mm -hmm. like oh this all feels impossible this feels foolish this feels childish like all the things that as creative comes up Mm. and then I have that kind of support and like the coaching tools to recenter 
my clients to like where their vision is mm-hmm. to keep them on the track of where they want to go, which is really, I think is actually really undervalued because I think we kind of think we just want to set this goal and we want to get somewhere, but it's when you're on the way and it's the squiggly bit and the messy bit and the bit when you're really doubting yourself, that's like the torturous bit. Mm, it's so, I I mean, it's so, I have that myself all the time, that yeah. kind of resistance of like, and the inner critic that says, oh, tries to redirect you back to a safer route. Yeah. It's just, a, I think it is probably a constant process, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think it is, especially like I say, if you're in that creative space and you're always wanting to kind of create, or if you're in the entrepreneurial space and you're always trying to, I guess, like deliver and build and grow, it's, it's that, that inner critic element of it, I think can be a bigger obstacle than it needs to be for a lot of people Mm. because I've noticed a bit of a trend from making it out as something that's like against you. It's like this part of that you need to try and like defeat and it's sabotaging you and you're like, I can't beat this thing. But my personal strategy with it, with myself and with my clients is to encourage a sense of like love and compassion for it because it's actually, it wants what you want. It wants you to be happy and it wants you to be safe and secure it's just going about it a different way. So the more we can bring it on side, the more we can kind of appease it and comfort it and make it realize, you know, us sending that email or us finishing this, you know, painting or this script or, you know, whatever it is that you're wanting to create. It's actually, we're both, we've got the same dual mission. So it's about just like bringing that back to the forefront rather than it being, or it feeling like you've got this like devil on your shoulder that's trying to trip you up and, make you feel crap and like all this kind of stuff so yeah that's my kind of kind of went on a tangent there but yeah that's the kind of personal strategy of like how to any not even call it the inner critic you know it's just yes your protective beliefs are what what are kind of at play when that happens yeah so even more than it just acknowledging that those that resistance is there it's sort of welcoming it in and in encouraging it to sort of aim yeah or even like join in the conversations you can come with there's a sidecar come sit with me I'm going to show you this isn't (laughs) like the terrifying skin peeling exercise you think it's going to be and this can be really fun so let me show you it's like you don't have to not feel fear you don't have to not feel or is it like yeah I think there's this conception or misconception that you like you have to feel really confident you have to feel fearless you have to feel like all these amazing feelings to be able to move forward and it's just not true it's just it's just not so yeah I'm trying to like wave my flag and shout about my klaxon yeah you can be scared it's okay yeah be scared and still move on Yeah. yeah move forward so going back to you you torched everything you started afresh what what happened next like how did you yeah so went to America and you met your husband and then yes yeah and then still kind of ran away for a bit to be honest I then moved to Ireland within about six weeks so I lived in Dublin then for the next eight years and I went back into the I was kind of freelancing as a designer at the time when I burnt everything down (laughs) but then because I was quite isolated in Dublin didn't really know anybody I was like actually if I just got back into the agency world 
this is going to help me feel a bit more settled here. So I, yeah, got back into some agency jobs and a couple of, yeah, smelly ones, shall I say. (laughs) Made some amazing friends through those and, yeah, basically managed to get a role in an agency of which I'm like still really, really close with the owner of. Like we're just Mm. really close friends and I think he's amazing. And yeah, it was the best choice that I made to do that Um, because he's been a massive support to me over the years as well with me building my own businesses. So from there, I had a few years doing that and then came back to that same point of like, this isn't the one, like this is Mm. not the, this is not the field for me. I've gone as far as I want to go, which was kind of, I was an art director by that point in my early thirties. So oh, it was wow. like, yeah. um, I basically decided overnight, pretty much, I was just going to hand in my notice um, and I was just going to freelance again and just like figure things out. So from there, I kind of quit that job, but stayed doing kind of some freelance bits for them. And then went on my expedition of, okay, so where is the Kerry juice? Like, what is it that I'm missing? So I went all over, went around about town, um, did an interior design diploma, I was like experimenting with FIMO, making cake toppers. Oh. Doing like lino printing. Yes. It was just like. Yeah, I've done a bit of the, the yeah. same. I oh, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done, yeah, lino, um, all sorts of printing, um, jewelry making. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all those so, kind of things. Yeah. And, um, and then in and amongst that, I kind of had a couple of years actually, I was quite invested in a kind of greeting card and giftware range that I had developed and was doing like trade shows and working with retailers Mm. and I was like actually this feels quite fun like this feels like this could be a bit of me yeah and it just became something that was it felt a bit like a manufacturing job because the Mm. the cycle of like creating for seasons and you know Christmas and birthdays and Mother's Days and and yeah it the pace was a bit ruthless for me and I also had just fallen pregnant with my daughter and like having my studio out of home and it was just like trying to make these things work together it's like this this like there's this friction happening and then I also got this opportunity to work with like a really big retailer which was like the vision board retailer I wanted to have my product stocked in for ages and when they got in touch I was like I don't want to do this oh (laughs) wow that's interesting yeah I kind of reached the the goal of what I've been working toward and it was like this isn't the thing so back to the reinvention it went (laughs) isn't it funny though how because I get the impression you're very much about trusting that feeling rather than I mean obviously you've had to work to get to that point but yeah you you're very driven by the feeling whereas quite often we're told to feelings are not real and you know yeah it's interesting you say that because I've begun I've I've learned over the years I'm very much driven by my emotions and not in a kind of you know like a time of the month thing like I'm just mm. kind of scatting over but like I it's almost like I can't not heed my instincts and so when people go oh you know it's really brave what you're doing and like you must have so much courage and like all the things they say and it's actually it's far more simpler for me that it's like I literally can't I can't push against something that feels really mm. wrong for me like I just it doesn't my body goes no yeah <laughs> so it's almost like I don't really have a choice in it in just the whatever genetic makeup I have and you know it, it's probably linked to kind of seeing my mom in her when we were kids and my mom and dad separated she was a, a kind of homemaker at the time and then 
became a single parent, like had to go back to work to kind of look after his kids and just went through like job after job, mm. really not liking what she was doing, but just settling, you know, I and I just so much love and appreciation for everything she sacrificed for us. But I think seeing that play out has also pushed me completely the other way. Whereas like mm. if the fulfillment's not there, it's not worth it. Like I'm not, I'm not up for it, you know? So, yeah. you know, we want to, you know, provide for ourselves and have, yeah, you know, a standard of living that we want to have. But I've not let that stop me. Like I've not just settled yes. in that space. Like I'm happy to do what I need to do to get by. Mm-hmm. But I'm also still burrowing on yes. what's next. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, actually, that's something else I was wanting to talk to you about was that kind of, it's not, because it's not always easy to make a living with a creative thing. Although, is that a mindset issue? Mm-hmm. Is that something that I, <laughs> but yeah, that balance, how do you find that balance of making a living and keeping your creativity I guess that is a big question for a lot of people yeah it is and I think from the people that I've worked with and now going on my own new adventure with my kind of illustration work that started up this year it's it's about one allowing them to be a transition like it doesn't need to be this burn down scenario that I went with <laughs> but it's it like realizing there can be a transition of a duality you know there can be you're doing this and especially like I think in a lot of creative roles and the people I work with tend to be already in the creative industries but just in either a discipline or a role that's not for them and they want to be somewhere else Mm. it's realizing there's there's other ways that your skill set can be used that isn't in this like full-time you know 9 a.m to 9 p.m seven days a week kind of commitment that a lot of creative roles have you know that expectation Mm. like being there all the time there are ways to do things in a freelance capacity or part-time capacity while you're building something else so I think just being yeah uh, there's a saying actually don't know who said it um but it's a great one of it's about spending a few years of your life like most people won't so you can live the rest of your life like most people can't so wow yeah it's really good isn't it and um, I've googled it like I've been so deep in the Google search to try and find who said it, uh, but I haven't found them yet. But it's oh, if anyone so knows, true. then yes. give us a shout. <laughs> yes, and yeah. then let me know because um, yeah, yeah, I'm itching to know. But it's it's so so true that it's like you do have to find the crevices and you do have to utilize the crevices. But it's yeah, you have to make that decision. Do I want to basically live a few years, a few years of my life like most people won't? So I can live the rest of my life like most people can't. Mm. That's that's the decision that you need to make. So there's the transition of potentially doing two things, right? You're trying to build and sustain at the same time. Mm. But there's also the side of what is possible, you know, and the fact that, you know, actors exist who have like an incredible, like prolific showreel behind them of what they've been able to do there are poets who have like endless published works behind them authors painters like there's just the list is endless that I really want people to see that they are pave makers rather than like triggers for comparisonitis of like 
I'm not there and that that's I wish I could have like use it as evidence of it is possible like this is happening every single day people are making a living out of something that brings complete joy I mean it's going to bring its creative challenges because that's part of the fun of it as well like it's going to stretch you and it's going to challenge you but it's also something that's going to yeah it's going to fulfill you and make you feel such purpose and such flow and alignment it's just criminal that you don't pursue (laughs) it and prioritize it yeah you know it's interesting Kerry because one of the things like as I said I've been following you for ages on social media and really enjoying what you do and then the thing that made me kind of hit that send button on on an email was um, a live that you did on Instagram. Mm. And it was, you were kind of acknowledging that sometimes that I think the times that we're in, it can seem really dark and heavy and, you know, there's a lot of awful things going on in the world and it can sometimes feel like, how can I have the privilege or the, you know, the is it frivolous to do mm. a creative thing when times are tough? And you were very strongly advocating for, <laughs> no, this makes the world a better place. So do you want to tell us a, oh, talk yeah. a little bit no, about that? Thank you. Yeah, I love I love talking about this part because it's, I totally get it. I totally understand and empathise and like often feel it myself, you know, the world that we live in is bananas and it is increasing with the yellowiness of the bananas each and every week you know we were kind of back in like 2016 with like the brexit thing in the uk and then trump and then like all these kind of things like what Uh and then it's just felt like this slow like or rapid unraveling since then and it's it's really easy to slip into the martyr headspace in these situations where we are kind of like you're saying, like thinking about like how indulgent is it of me to want to kind of have something different and to feel joy when so many people aren't feeling joy. But the thing is when we think about the collective, right, the the planet that we live on, like duality is, it's like a law. Like for someone to feel extreme joy, someone is going to feel like it's just someone is going to feel some kind of pain there's birth there's death you know the way that nature has its cycle things grow and things hibernate and die like it's just it's just how it's the circle of life if we want to do a little Lion King soundtrack for a minute (laughs) so it's almost like we have we have that choice of joy or pain you know we have the choice of which one we want to hold on to and as much as it's easier to opt for the retreat, to opt for the let's just stay where things are familiar and I say comfortable, but it's the illusion of what is comfortable because mm. we're actually in pain when we stay here, right? We're kind of sitting on this nail and trying to convince ourselves that this is better than risking some fear of failure or the potential of failure if this doesn't work out but the reality is is so much is open to us so much is available to us if we just choose the different lens of like 
I get to control. I don't get to control what's happening in the Tory party, right? I don't get to control what's happening in Ukraine. I don't like, I don't have any agency over that. What I do have agency over is my life, my choices, my fulfillment, my family, my friends, like where I am putting myself and my energy. That's the only thing that I ever have agency over. So that's the, that's only, that's our, that's our source of joy, right? Our source of fulfillment is what we can do. And so if you are choosing to like stifle that and cut that off because of feeling bad for others, you're not benefiting those others by cutting that off for yourself. And I have the argument of the more that you are fulfilled the more that you are bringing joy into your life, the more you have to give those people. Mm. Like no one's benefiting when everyone is like miserable. You know, no no one wins yeah. except for, you know, the system, the society that we were kind of talking about at the top of the, the recording. It's like the societal structure wants the regular person, and I'm, I, I don't mean that in a derogatory way but I mean just you know we're not the elite right we are not the top one percent of you know earners in the world we're not like influencing in the government at the moment maybe we will in time but it's like we have like it's designed for us to be compliant squished Mm. down unfulfilled because then when it gets the weekend we're going to go want to spend our money on clothes. We're going to want to spend our money on going out to eat. We're going to want to spend our money on, you know, things that are appeasing that pain in some way, because that's, that's how the cycle works, right? That's how Mm. it's, how it wants it to be. And it's not designed for us to do the opposite. It's not designed for us to seek that joy for ourselves. And so it's a real rebellious act to, put yourself first and I get there's going to be like so much resistance with that but I'm here to advocate and shout for and fly the flag of it's like the water is warm on the other side (laughs) you know there's bubbles you know there's really cool music like come on in the water is fine it's just allowing yourself to get over that line of like dropping the shame dropping the the foolishness or the childishness of thinking your creativity is pointless because the world is screaming out for not only for what you can provide with that, what you can give the world with your art and your creativity, but for your energy, your fulfilled, happy energy, because that that's what's in drought, right? That is, it's a crisis. <laughs> it's a global crisis of unfulfillment and I'm not having it. oh I love this so it's kind of rebellious joy is like yeah you know yeah they don't want us to be happy let's just like (laughs) happy in their faces (laughs) brilliant oh I love that Kerry so um so do you I guess you get to see that a lot with your clients then do you see that kind of once they cross that barrier and they rediscover the spark that must be so exciting to see it's like out. yeah it's there's aside from kind of seeing my daughter get star of the week which she did last week 
there's there's not a lot more fulfilling than than that really it's so so satisfying so rewarding and it's not to say they then kind of reach that threshold and then it's like happy days and the trees become like animated singing trees you know, when yeah. they, you know, the cars have eyes on that, woo, you know, in that Roger <laughs> Rabbit Toontown version of real life. Like they are still confronted by resistance. They still have their challenges that, that, that we work through. But when they say like, you've unlocked me. And when they say that, like, I never thought that I could feel this sense of like me, like I feel so, so me. It's like, I'm just crying all the time. Like blubbery tissuey mess but it's just yeah there's nothing more satisfying than helping someone feel that and then also being able to feel that for myself and knowing like when I turn to like my iPad and I start to like sketch and draw or my sketch pad and I'm kind of I feel I know exactly what they're saying when they feel that so it's like this gorgeous I guess it's kind of like paying it forward but also kind of me getting paid for it yeah (laughs) I was gonna say yeah did the did working as a coach send you back to illustration or um, yes yes yeah yeah it did actually because as much as that was like I really like I say I've always been that person that's sought out and like spotted the potential in people and been mm-hmm. a bit like well it's not on reflection it's it's not good coaching practice to coach people who don't want to be coached but it's just been such an instinct into like be encouraging people to like fulfill their potential you know that's always Mm. been within me so the coaching was a really natural transitional progression for me but the way that that business was built which was called the imperfect life that has kind of I've wrapped up this year it became very much an uncreative business and it was very Mm. much just focused on that kind of um client relationship and helping I had like a, a membership community as well um, with a number of members in that I was kind of coaching as well so it just it went very business-led and not very creative like fulfillment-led mm. so that's when I was realizing that actually like what is my personal like fire light inside is the drawing piece so it was then this transition of all the creative kind of business owners that I was helping in my last business when I was working with them, there was like a bit of a synergy that was like, it was quite palpable. And I was like, oh, what's this? And you're like, mm. I can taste this. This is this feels nice. <laughs> so then it was then like evolving the coaching practice to kind of focus more in the creative industries and then allow myself to kind of draw, <laughs> basically. Because yeah. you, you've just released your, um, launched Carrie, uh, Carrie Lyons Studio, haven't you? Yes. Do you want to tell us about? Yes. So... When did that start to evolve and... Well, that kind of started probably about 10 months ago when I realized that the kind of, when I realized the coaching or focus business wasn't giving me everything that I needed and didn't have that creative element, I started to kind of like, I took a really big break over Christmas, which is not a big break for most people, but I took two weeks off my business at Christmas time, um, which I've never done. And it was like a real... I felt like everything had stopped and it was a really cathartic experience. Hard recommend it, by the way, anyone who's mm. running their own businesses. Um, so in this space, it was really kind of connecting back to myself and what was important to me and what drives me, what fires me up. And then 
being able to draw my feelings basically was what was like oh now it makes sense I totally get what's missing now and the kind of interior space so my studio is focused on like pattern design predominantly for kind of like homewares like wallpapers and cushions and things like that although I'm not averse to you know going to like fabric design for like apparel and things so it was just this realization of the interior space has always been close to my heart my dad's like an architect so I've always grown up on like building sites and seeing you know houses come from mud so being in places like B&Q and you know home base has always been like a real it's just felt like my happy place so that that interior space is just it feels a real I feel a real affinity with so then to kind of bring my illustration work into illustrating for those kind of spaces it all just felt like it all just kind of like clunked it made this mm. like clunk noise <laughs> was like they were kind of yeah. sliding into place um and then but I didn't really I mean I was very averse in like how in the software that pattern designers use but I didn't really know how it all works so I joined a program um by one called Bonica String called Immersion um she's pretty big in the pattern design space so she basically taught me everything I knew for pattern design um and yeah and then basically spent the rest of that time that was kind of early on this year kind of February time I think so from then to now which is like October this is being recorded it was like developing my first kind of collection and getting supplies and like working out how I was going to make that work and then launched it yeah last week so Mm, congratulations ah thanks (laughs) it was a long road but got there yeah it sounds doesn't sound I mean, it's a long road. I suppose it's a cu- accumulation over. Yeah, a long it feels time, like it, it? it's not a long road in mm. terms of a ten month thing, but I think because, yeah, I'd been in the working for myself for so many years, like it's coming up to ten years now, that that kind of, I guess, reactive, fast paced delivery of things had just become a part of second nature, and this was a real yeah. humbling moment where I had to really like slow things down and like have a different process because it was a lot more about the creative process again mm. it was almost like birthing something again from new yeah but also it's going to play back into the coaching isn't it because you've got again a really clear view of what it takes to go through that yeah process yeah which you can become a bit more detached from if you're not yeah I think yourself. that's yeah it's definitely helped me with clients in that I've had that I've got the kind of e-commerce experience and the trade show experience and the working with retailers experience as well as the service-based side mm. of like you know evolving things as well and and working with clients that way so it's yeah there's been a nice mix of being able to like mentor clients as well as you know the coaching side which is a bit more focused on like specific coaching modalities and coaching tools and like mindset and things like that so yeah there's that nice blend of kind of strategy and mindset in there you know Mm. yeah and I noticed earlier on in the conversation a couple of times you said that something worked for a bit of you do you feel like you've brought the whole of you yeah I really do the whole of you together now yeah I really do and I I don't I'm not naive to think that there won't be another evolution Mm. I'm sure there will be at some point in time but I think this feels more me than I felt and that's my kind of intention with every evolution is to just peel away these layers of the conditioning that I've acquired over the years and the 
the beliefs of what I see myself as being able to do and, and what's possible for me and just get back to being more and more the kind of six-year-old me, you know? And I think there's there's a line that I love to say, which might be someone else's, but I also can't remember who said that. But yeah, it's kind of making both the six-year-old me and the 96-year-old me smile. Like that's that's the goal, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that idea. <laughs> so you use a kind of timeline is quite a big thing in your coaching as well, yes. isn't it? What's, I, tell us a little bit about how that yes. works. So with timeline therapy... When I'm working with clients over a period of time, so I kind of do things like a there's like a a clarity session, which is like a two hour thing, and a VIP day, which is like a a full day thing. So I don't really use it in that because it's it's more of like a progressive therapy, but it's essentially taps into what we were talking about earlier, which is around the unconscious negative emotion that we have acquired, whether that be through our own experience we might not like consciously remember it, but it might also be like generationally acquired. So we don't even, hasn't even happened to us, but we have taken it on Mm. or in our unconscious mind, we could believe it's happened in some kind of past life. So you don't necessarily have to believe in past lives for that to be what your unconscious mind is thinking. Like if you, if your unconscious mind thinks, you know, you are a Viking in some like settlement and you were burnt at the stake or something like that's, that's going to affect how you feel in terms of your worthiness, right? So yeah, even if you're not aware that that's what yeah, you're and this is what's yeah. so um, fascinating wow. about the unconscious mind that it's it's got all the gear sticks and it's pulling all the levers. So like consciously, you could be kind of telling yourself like, I need to go. Like, why can't I just you know pick up this script? Why can't I just like start painting? Why can't I just you know move through this resistance? But the, the unconscious mind has some. Um, protective gear like held in place that thinks the other side of that is getting burnt at the stake you know so it's kind of it's working with what the unconscious mind has rather than the conscious mind has as their reality so it starts off with this like two hour session where we basically clear like the big five emotions which is anger sadness hurt fear and guilt and we basically you don't have to talk about a traumatic experience you don't have to remember necessarily what you are kind of trying to recall but we we go back to the first event of your I guess if we just use fear for example what whatever your unconscious mind identifies as this first event of of what fear is and why we need to feel fear and I say that it's the kind of almost like irrational, unresourceful, inappropriate fear rather than the fear of being hit by a bus. Like we don't want to just start walking in front of buses. We want to have a level of fear, but it's the fear that's like, you know, limiting <clears throat> that we want to like move out of the way. So we get to the first event of this irrational, unresourceful, inappropriate fear. And we work with what the learnings are of that and remove it from that first event and then come back through your timeline from that point whether that's you know a past life a past generation or your own kind of imprint period that naught to seven like period and we go through the events that your unconscious mind and your conscious mind kind of remembers and we kind of clear that emotion from each subsequent event because those subsequent events have like confirmed that that fear a rational fear is good to have 
So we kind of release that on these different events. So you basically, you don't necessarily feel like, <laughs> it's really hard to describe how it feels, but it's, you finish that first session, like just feeling like you have cleared a weight. Mm. You feel exhausted probably because it's like you've done a lot of unconscious work, but it's kind of, I remember actually one of my um, trainers saying to me when they had done it for the first time, they used to, when they removed anger, they used to kind of shout at their kids to get their, their shoes on all the time, like going from school, like, can't we just get your shoes on? I can't ask you again to put your shoes on, but please put your shoes on. And then after they'd done the timeline therapy for anger, they were like, can you just put your shoes on? And it was like, I don't feel angry. Like, this anger is not appropriate, to, like directed at this child, but I feel it. And it had just gone. So it's that, but we can, and once we've done those big five, we can do it with like more, I think, creatively directed things like shame. I think shame is a big thing for creatives. Shame and is a released. huge thing, yeah. Um, yeah. And that fear, and that, you know, the fear of rejection. Where yeah. If you, and the vulnerability of putting out work, isn't it? That's yeah. shame is a Unworthiness massive. and things like that. They're, they're great ones to do as well beyond that. But you have to do those big five first. So mm. I do them in a session by themselves and then we can use like timeline therapy again on the res- resistance that comes up as we move forward as well in kind of follow-up sessions. So it's a really gentle, powerful, I mean, the fact that it has therapy on it makes people think, oh, I've got to just talk about all this horrible stuff that's happened to me. Yeah. It's really not that at all. It's all unconscious. Um, but yeah, it's crazy powerful. It's really fun as well. Yeah, but I love that as well because it goes back to the idea that you're using your feelings, like feelings are so important to you and important to your work yeah definitely I'm sure that then plays into your illustration of work as well because you're generating a feeling and I imagine that feeling is joy yeah well that's so funny you said that my first collection I I was really struggling to kind of like get the style of what I was wanting to like I have it in my head but the gap there was a gap there right of what my taste was and what my output was at the time Mm. and I the the collection that was subsequently born was born from how music made me feel. So like I drew how the music felt. That's actually how I got it out. And it was just the like most out of body, like what is even happening? Like my hands just going on its own. <laughs> oh wow. But it was um yeah, my feelings of or feelings, emotions, all of that. It's just it's so important, I think. Yeah. And what was the music? Well it was I kind of whopped out the 80s playlist. Um, but that. yeah, the whole, collection, the whole collection is called Start Something. So Wanna Be Starting Something was by Michael Jackson was like the main inspo. But like Fleetwood Mac, Huey Lewis and the News, Bananarama, all of those are in there as well. <laughs> it's so interesting because all your work is, is quite diverse. You know, you've got a broad range of things that you do, but it is all linked. And that's why I, th- I often feel like you know, we're so encouraged to niche and do one thing and focus and everything, but actually there can be an underlying mm. thread yeah, to many different things. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I, I found that that's probably what happened at the beginning of the year when we were kind of asking me like what happened when I was had those like clunk, clunk moments. I really realised that I feel like my purpose has been consistent throughout, which is... Mm-hmm to just be this advocate for like bold creative living in whatever guise that may be. So in the work, 
kind of place. It's around, you know, me trying to help people reestablish new careers, new businesses in a new creative field, or like what I did with my last business, which was very much around helping people get their businesses online. And then with my kind of like wallpapery stuff, it's about that bold creative living in the home and like actually daring to put that paint colour with that paint colour or that pattern with that pattern and just always be striving for just being unapologetically you, you know, in whatever whatever guise that may be mm. is really what I feel I'm here to do and, like, bash my drum about that. Yeah. Until I'm 96. Hopefully that I get that yes. far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I saw that you did um, a questionnaire on Instagram the other day where you ask people what's what do they want to learn and when I looked, I don't know if it changed, but um, when I looked, there were the biggest percentage, 40% of people said that they wanted help with believing in themselves to start creating. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about that? Was that what you expected? And how, what's the first step, I guess, is what the first what step. Say to someone? Um, it's different, actually. Sometimes when I ask that, that doesn't come up first, but that's my assumption that it is. So it's, I wonder, like, it's just who happens to see the poll at mm. the time, I think, with those things. But, yeah, I think the, the first step to believing in yourself to, enough to start creating is to look at your pave makers, which is what I like to call them, rather than the people that you are triggered by and compare yourself to, as evidence of what's possible. And if possible, like, if you can almost, like, inspect their lives to see the point when they were you know probably in some insurance job or you know they were you know homeless or something like this there's always an interesting story behind these people that you know build themselves into something you're aspiring to be so I think allow yourself to see yourself in their past rather than yourself in their now you know such a yeah because I think that's what we do isn't it we kind of I mean it's, it's said a million times over us that we kind of compare our chapter one with someone's like chapter 20, mm. but really being able to release that comparison and use it as fuel for inspiration as well. Cause that's all comparison is when we feel that like trigger and that sting, it's because your heart is saying, but we want that too. Like we want that. Mm. And if you're not giving yourself that or giving yourself the chance to play with that, that feeling's always going to be there. Like in the last few years, I haven't suffered with comparing myself because I know I'm always giving myself the chance to play. And it's only when I don't give myself the chance that I feel it. So it's just allowing yourself that chance to play and allowing yourself, getting that six-year-old you, the photo of six-year-old you I think is really powerful as well. I've actually got mine on my desk here. Oh, that's, yeah, what a yeah. great idea. And bringing them back to life. So before that they like before they took all that conditioning on and all the you can'ts, like what are they doing with their time? What are they wanting you to do right now? And go do that. It might be building Lego. It might be carving a potato and doing some like potato printing, you know? Yeah. You know, whatever it is, like just reconnect to that child, you know, and start to nurture that person because it's you, you know, it's it's you. Ah. <sighs> I'm just letting that sink in and having a think that's yeah 
So powerful, isn't it? It is. I mean, but that's the thing that I think we we become hardened to the fact that we're like, you know, we're adults, we have to be responsible and we've got to, you know, be whatever we think we should be. But ultimately, like, we are, we are all six-year-old kids in grown-up baggy bodies, you know? <laughs> we all still we all still have the desire to play. We all still have the desire to create. We all still have the desire to have fun with just varying degrees of having squished it down. You know, we just need to, we all have the power to to bring that back out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love, yeah. I wonder if there's a way to not let that squishing happen. Like what, can you think of examples of people who have not squished They've or is it inevitable? Like, do we all is is it part of the evolution and the development into a fully creative human that you? Yeah, I mean, you, I think you have I mean, to break I, through the squishing. Yeah, I, I hope with kind of future generations, it's gonna the societal conditioning is gonna evolve. Mm. But I think, I actually think it's not a bad thing to have squished. I don't think it's a bad thing that you've had a different path that you've maybe made a creative compromise on along the way, or you've, you know, gone down a, a reality that you hadn't thought you might have gone down. You know, I don't think there's anything, I don't think to be gained with feeling that sense of like sorrow or regret about if I'd have just done that, then, then I'd be here by now. Like mm. that kind of shameful is what it is. It's like it's casting shame on yourself, like shameful reflection. I don't think is beneficial. I think it's actually seeing every single step that's been made as an intentional, like stepping point mm. to get you to that next point. So if anything, it's actually to, if you can feel gratitude for the squish, if you can feel gratitude for the fact that like, yes, I have done that, but also like how beautiful is it that I get to now like reemerge and reinvent mm. and recreate and feel more connected to my six-year-old self than I have done my whole life. Like what a beautiful thing that is. And it's not anything to feel, yeah, remorse or shame or regret about. It's actually a beautiful opportunity, you know, mm. that's what I'd say. I think that feels like a wonderful conclusion to the conversation really, Kerry. Thank you oh. so much. Wow. I've got so much to yeah, to percolate. <laughs> Sorry, I was giving you a need to lie down. No, <laughs> it's brilliant. No, I love it. Um, my sort of final question, I guess, that I ask everyone is, um, have you got, are there any books or people that you would recommend to listeners? Yes. Yeah. I do. I think one person who is really inspiring to me is a guy called Andy Miller, or he's called Andy J Pizza. On yes. Instagram. Oh, you know, I Andy, love Andy yeah. J Pizza. I've got, in fact, I've got my creative archetype. Oh, look at that! What's that? The healing. The bard. healing bard. <laughs> oh, I haven't got mine. I need to do that then. But yeah, I think he's all of his content is just great, and the fact that he's yeah. kind of illustration is is a real connection to me too. But I think whether you're an illustrator or not what he shares is really relevant and inspiring, especially if you're in that kind of transitional, like I want to do something creative, but I'm not there mm. yet part as well as if you can be an established creative and still get so much value from what his, what he puts out in the world. So um, yeah. I'd hard recommend an Andy J Miller in your life for Defo. Brilliant. 
yeah me too and did you have any books is there a book that popped to mind or um a book I did have a book but there's a a guy called John Acuff or Acuff I'm not quite sure I can pronounce his name he's done a number of books um one is called Start and it's all about that kind of like side hustle transition Mm. and to really help yourself I guess just open your eyes to the fact that you don't like where what you're in right now if you're in a career especially um if you're in a business of your own it's a little different because you've already kind of made that transition lightly at some point but especially if you're in a creative career that feels wonky and isn't the one just open your eyes to the fact that an alternative is possible because I think that's that's the biggest challenge when you're in that place is that it all feels so impossible but like you're in that roll out of a choice that you've made and different choices are available mm. and like his work John Acuff or John Acuff um, apologies for not knowing how to pronounce his name probably um yeah his work is is really good so start is one of his books I think um oh do over is another one so okay. um yeah have a look of him right well. brilliant and um, where can people find you online and um check yeah. out your work um I mainly live on Instagram although I have just started to dabble on LinkedIn but I am actually that's my handle I am Kerry Lyons is my creative coaching site and kerrylyons.com is my website and then my studio is Kerry Lyons Studio so that's my kind of creative voyage my born again illustration adventure brilliant well welcome back to it and oh, um, I can't you. wait to see where it goes so thank you so much for joining me Kerry I really you, loved our chat no I love it too could keep going all day we could just should we just get lunch and <laughs> just order carry some, on yeah let's get a delivery and sort it <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you so much thanks Ellie. thanks for listening bye thanks for listening to creative twist show notes and resources can be found on my website sallyvanderpump.com Thanks to Rosie Kernahan for the podcast photo, to Vicky Arledge for composing the music, to Jen at Studio 2711 for the artwork, and to Tina Cooney for the branding. If you'd like to book me for voiceover or talk about an acting project, please contact me via my website, sallyvanderpump.com. And if you'd like to meditate with me, you can find me on SoundCloud or Insight Timer. <laughs>